You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL. He also writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We are uh, kicking back. We're keeping it laid back tonight. Gil and I are just chatting about um, this upcoming draft. So this is a bonus No Huddle Radio episode. Uh, I think we've done one of these bonuses before. It was like a uh, a quick reaction to some really big loss that we had. I don't remember if, if it was uh, the Buccaneers uh, NFC Championship game loss or something, but I know last year we did one of these. But okay, Gil, you and I were just talking about, uh, so Gutekunst met with the media today and he was talking about really just two positions, offensive line and wide receiver, which an edge rusher. You got the big three. Mm-hmm. These these are these are the uh, three positions that they've been cons- um, concerned about. Or I should say mm-hmm. uh, these are the three positions that they have brought in a bunch of players to visit. And, and today he was only talking about offensive line and wide receiver talking about um, he's interested to see when the run on offensive line starts. That was that was kind of one of the big quotes. And then a lot of people were jumping on some of his wide receiver comments uh, that he thinks it's a deep wide receiver class. Not an opinion that I agree with, but I mean, come on. My opinion or Gutekunst's opinion? Come on, which one do you trust more? <laughs> but well, I, I, I am I, I am relieved that they are prioritizing offensive line because I I just have had this uh, this fear in the back of my mind that maybe they didn't value offensive line the way I do in this draft, despite having moved on from Billy Turner and uh, Lucas Patrick this offseason. No question offensive line has to be reinforced. And I think the biggest reason is this. You look at the injuries they had last year. Mm-hmm. You go left to right across the line. Bakhtiari played half of one game all year. Elton Jenkins missed, what was it, eight or nine games over the course of the year. Josh Myers missed 11 games, 12 games, something like that. Uh, and and then Billy Turner missed three or four games. So that's four of your five projected starters uh, missing significant time during the course of the season. Hopefully it's not going to be that bad, but even now Bakhtiari hasn't fully come back yet. Elton Jenkins may not be ready to start the season. We don't know when he'll be ready to play. Uh, you don't have the depth after losing those two players uh, Turner and Patrick that you had before. And boy, do we need it because I'll tell you this, I don't care how good the receivers are. Aaron Rodgers cannot throw flat on his back with a 320 pound lineman on top of him. Yeah. You were, you were trying to tell me that Goody has taken at least two offensive linemen in every single draft he's done so far. Well, isn't that, isn't that correct? Most of them. He took Three last year in uh, Myers, Newman, and Van Lanen. He took um, Runyon, Hansen, and Stepaniak 
the in 2020. Right. Uh, he took Elton Jenkins in. Uh, he was the only offensive lineman in 2019, and then uh, he took a, an offensive lineman and a long snapper in 2018 in Cole Madison, who never managed to break the lineup, and then Hunter Bradley. Forgot about. I totally forgot about. Oh, come on. You're going to sneak a long snapper into here? Okay. One and a half. <laughs> uh, I had totally forgotten about uh, about Madison, though. Um, here's a – so I got a full list, and we'll see if there's names that are missing from this that I can remember. This is uh, Zach Cruz's list mm-hmm. over on Packers Wire uh, of all the players that the Packers have met with pre-draft. Uh, in in Green Bay, so I think this is leaving off virtual visits and combine and that kind of stuff. So, and also like you know the pro days that they went to that kind of stuff. So this is just players they brought in to Green Bay. So they got edge rusher Sam Williams at Ole Miss. This is a dude that I've been big on. I really like Sam Williams. One of the things with, with Williams though, I know he has there there were some character concerns with him that mm-hmm. might take him off the Packers board. Um, a couple of arrests and stuff. So that's not something you like to see wide receiver Traylon Burks. Everybody knows who he is. Um, right. Wide receiver Tyquan Thornton. You and I spent, I think a decent amount of time on this podcast talking about what he might bring to the offense as an MVS replacement. Mm-hmm. Super speedy dude out of Baylor. George Pickens. <laughs> so George Pickens, should I read the quotes on this? One? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So this is uh, who, who authored this. This is over on The Athletic. This is uh, Bruce Feldman. These are quotes from NFL scouts, not NFL scouts, NFL coaches to Bruce Feldman about various players in this uh, draft class. Uh, the scouts one was uh, Bob McGinn. That was an interesting one. But uh, where's my uh, – where's Pickens – Going through here, Pickens, not Olave. Here we go. All right, question: Which wide receiver is the most boom or bust guy? Quote from Scout Number Two: George Pickens. There's a lot of upside, but he can't get out of his own way. He's been enabled his whole life. Wide receiver coach Number Three: Pickens. You love his game, but there's some issues. Do you want to work with him? He's a top six talent wise, but it's impossible not to add those other things. He has the size, has really good range. He positions his body on deep throws. He consistently beats press coverage. Has good start stops with some Allen Iverson crossover in his game. A lot of the stuff in Todd Munkin's system translates to the NFL, but I wouldn't touch him. Mm -hmm. Here's a quote from wide receiver coach number five. On tape, he's probably a top five wide receiver, but there's just so many red flags, and they're big red flags. He's got a lot of growing up to do. If he goes to the right place with a room full of veterans that help him go the right way, I think he'll have a chance. Pickens is such a such an interesting prospect because we can all see the talent, and these coaches are saying the same thing. They see the same talent that we do. Mm-hmm. You got the injury concerns. He's a he's a, a Slim dude who's been hurt a lot, but then they keep bringing up all the character stuff. It just doesn't sound like a Packer to me, but they, but the Packers brought him in. So you know that they are interested in him. And I think I would have to guess that they brought him in for two reasons. One is to let their medical staff get a good look at him. Right. 
but maybe more importantly, just to have a nice long talk with him and really get to know him and to see what's and, behind and, those, those yeah. questions that scouts and coaches seem to be having you, you know, you want to find out for yourself uh, if you can work with this guy, if he has a good attitude, if there are any of those red flags show up in, I don't know how long they get to meet with, with these players specifically, but you spend a few hours with him. Uh, if, if you have concerns after that, that's a whole different story. I think there are three wide receivers in this draft class who I really have almost no questions about in terms of their athleticism and their just big playability. And that's, uh, George, uh, George Pickens, Jamison Williams, and Christian Watson, all three of those guys, you don't have any doubts about, about their upside, but you have so many questions about other things with those guys with Jamison. You have questions about, you know, how complete of a receiver is he, you know, he, and, and there have been some maturity questions with Jamison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Watson, you know, he played it at such a tiny school and, you know, uh, really, really poor competition that he was going up against. And there are questions about um, his ability to catch the ball. He had a lot of drops. Uh, and then Pickens right there, right in there, you know, you there's no denying the talent at all. And, and I think that he's such a well-rounded football player here's probably what's going to happen. He's going to get drafted by some team that has no problem <laughs> with big characters. He's going to go to Tampa. He's going to go to uh, Vegas. The Raiders, but they don't have a first round pick. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, actually, hang on. Let's segue for a second. Cause there's talks about the Raiders possibly picking up a second round pick yeah. from the Packers. <laughs> I heard. So uh, Aaron Nagler and uh, is is reporting that the Packers are trying to get a deal done for Darren Waller, and this is I think that when we were talking on this podcast about the Devonta Adams deal, I think we did go ahead and bring up that there was um, reporting that the deal initially was for a first round pick and a, an undisclosed player. And that deal didn't go through because the league said they couldn't do it because right. Devante was uh, on the tag. And we thought early, uh, I thought that that player was Trayvon Morig was not. It was Darren nope. Waller. Yep. This would be an interesting one because Darren Waller, I, I, I think Darren Waller is a touch overrated. He had a crazy good season like two years ago. And failed to repeat that and had never been that good prior to that. But even though he's not one of the big three, which right now are Kelsey Kittle and uh, Mark Andrews. Um, I, I think that he probably is one of the very best players in that next tier of tight ends. You're looking at a group of guys that is uh, probably still Zach Ertz and Gronkowski and Hunter Henry and Darren Waller, I think he's probably is the best out of that group. Well, look, he actually had two very strong seasons. He had 2,000-yard seasons, 2019, 90 catches, 1,145 yards, 
the better season was 2020, 107 catches, almost 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, last year, he was he missed six games uh, and only had, and you can put only in air quotes because he still would have been far and away the Packers' top receiving tight end with these numbers, 55 catches, 665 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Uh, I don't think any Packers tight end had more than 30 catches last year, did they? Uh, I, I don't think any of them <laughs> played consistently enough because we were on this uh, carousel of right. tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, we're, we're thinking we're not going to get Tunyon back at the beginning of the season. Uh, who was asked about that? Was it, uh, oh, it was, I think it was, it was either Steno or John Dunn, our new tight end coach, was kind of asked how he's recovering. And kind of the only thing they could say was like, oh, man, he's a really he's a really great dude and he's a hard worker. And, you know, football is 90 percent mental. And <laughs> and you're like, OK, so what you're telling me is that, that he ain't going to be ready. <laughs> no. <laughs> the All answer right. is no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I'm going to rip through some more of this list of guys they brought in. And, and by the way, the Packers don't have a track record of drafting a lot of the guys they meet with. I or at least, that they, I mean, that they bring in four visits at Green Bay. I, I really think that they bring in guys that they have big questions about. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're bringing in guys that they're like, oh, yeah, we we really want George Pickens in the building. So let's get him in here and talk to him. I, that does not seem to be how they use these visits. They well, did meet with Josiah DeGuara. And I, I can't think of anybody else that they have met with recently that they have um, then gone on to draft, at least in the early rounds. But right. what it does do is it gives you a glimpse into what positions they're looking at because they they meet with a ton of players at the positions that they are interested in drafting and often from similar you know similar types of that position of player from similar schools. Right. The next guy on their list, uh wide receiver Velas Jones Jr. Out of Tennessee, this guy is known as just being a special teamer. He's one of the better returners in all of college. I don't think that he if if they drafted him, I think they are seriously considering it. Mm-hmm. I think that Rich Basaccio wants them to draft this kid. But on day three. Well, yeah, but but here's the thing with him. I think they brought him in because they want to see if there's any role for him at all on offense. And I'm not sure the answer is yes. This this guy to me, you keep him on your roster and you smack your hand every time you think about reaching into that cookie jar of uh, moving on from your returner to replace him with a, a sixth linebacker who might have a chance of getting on the field on defense. You need a dedicated returner, man. Just yep. do it. Go back to the days of Trevor Davis. Well, go back to the days of Trevor Davis or better yet, go back to, uh, you know, Desmond Howard and uh, remember what he did for the team. When, what did he catch? Like eight passes that year when they won the Super Bowl uh, as a, as a receiver. But you know, you, what he did for the team as a return specialist really was a big contrib- contributing factor to their Super Bowl win in, in 1996. Mm-hmm. Defensive lineman Eric Johnson, Missouri State. This is one I hadn't heard of, I don't think. Um, 
defensive lineman. He is projected to go where? I'm not even finding him on my list. <laughs> Here he is. Because uh, currently consensus 213. So that's like, what, a sixth rounder, I think. Yeah, that's pretty late. Okay. But we know that they're interested in D-line, which um, Jerry Montgomery also said he wants a, a third down uh, D-tackle. Safety Tariq Carpenter, Georgia Tech. We know we need a safety. I think uh, so. Safety is an interesting. You want to talk about safeties for a minute? This will be fun. sure. Sure. I want to talk about safeties because there's there's a pile of really interesting guys, and safety is one of the one of the positions that I feel pretty darn confident in uh, in in my feelings on them. So I think to me, there's a big two, big two uh, safeties who are. Uh, probably early first round. So everybody knows Kyle Hamilton and Lewis seen. I mm-hmm. personally like seen better, but I think they're both first round picks. Absolutely. And then, uh, for your, for the th- number three safety, uh, people fall into a couple different camps. There's the Jaquan Brisker camp. There's mm-hmm. the Dax Hill camp. Dax like Hill him. makes a lot of sense to me. I, th- I think he's kind yep. of, he's kind of like the consensus. Oh, this is the Packers safety type of guy. Yeah. 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 I, I like Jalen Petrie a lot. One of the things I like about him, he played the star defender role at, at Baylor. Mm-hmm. He's just really well-rounded. He's when I, um, if just going off of the numbers and not factoring in, uh, you know, just situationally how these guys were used, blah, blah, blah. It's really hard to get Jalen Petrie out of the number one spot. You you really had to grade these safeties on a curve and, and talk about how they were used and how Jalen Petrie was used a little bit more in run defense than in coverage. And, and you know, I think Kyle Hamilton, I think Jalen Petrie is kind of the anti Kyle Hamilton because Hamilton <laughs> is so wicked in coverage. Right. And then he's a liability in run defense and Petrie's kind of the opposite. So Mm -hmm. both super talented players. Um, I I don't think there's much question about who is going to go first in the draft, but maybe you'll like the Jalen Petrie type a little bit more. That might be a nice compliment to Darren Darnell Savage's game. Uh, the other guy, though, who I think is really getting slept on is Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. Mm-hmm. A lot of Big Ten guys. Oh, yeah. A lot of Big Ten guys, actually. And yeah. Nick Cross of Maryland also. Yep. So so let's see. Nick Cross. I, I got this sorted wrong. So Nick Cross is my safety uh, nine, but eight and nine are really close. We'll just call them eight. Okay. Um, so out of that top eight, you got uh, so Notre Dame obviously is independent, but you got an SEC guy, a Big Twelve guy, and then one, two, three, four, five Big Ten safeties high up on my list. We also got Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. Uh, then the other guy who I would be interested in. So if you're looking at late safety, so Brian Cook kind of heads the 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 later safeties. We're talking like probably third round safeties. Mm-hmm. Third, maybe fourth round safeties. Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. Super, super underrated dude. He and Kirby Joseph, the one thing that is unfortunate with them is that 
Uh, we don't have all their testing numbers. We don't know what their RAS is. Right. Um, but they both graded out really, really well. Both really good in coverage. Both really good against the run. They are basically identical size. 6'1". Uh, Kirby Joseph is 203. Brian Cook is 206. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> so after that, you brought up Nick Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Cross gets compared to Darnell Savage a lot. Right. Oh man, he he was um he was a force in Maryland. Some some games he was one of the only reasons that they were even still in the game. And wasn't Nick he Cross. wasn't he Savage's successor at the position? When the timing matches up, I, I would say so, yeah. If not, it's a one year difference. So Marquise Bell out of Florida AM. This guy is a probably a fifth, fourth or fifth round pick, late fourth, fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now when the, do you the, think they'll go for a safety? I mean, obviously it depends how the board falls, but what do you think the plan is? So I, I, I can't answer that because I have to kind of take that in reverse and say, I don't think we can make a prediction about what they're going to do, but what they are going to do is going to give us a very clear picture into what the future holds for safety. Specifically, obviously referring to Adrian Amos. I think if they take an early safety, you're probably looking at Adrian's last year in Green Bay. If they don't take one, then I think you start trying to work a new deal with Amos to keep him around for a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I would say if they take a guy in the third round or earlier, that's kind of the cutoff. If If you take just a fourth round safety, I just don't think that you can really be talking about replacing your safety one. So if you get to day three and we haven't taken a safety yet. Then, then, I, then I think that your plans regarding safety probably change a bit and you're, you're trying to keep Amos around. Well, that's, you got two things. You have Amos and then you have, you have an option, a fifth year option, which we should know very soon about Savage. I expect they'll pick it up. No doubt in my mind. The only reason you wouldn't, pick that up is if you give them a new contract first. Right. Which I don't think they're going to be able to do, but who knows? So here, here's the last three safeties that I think are worth drafting. Marquise Bell, Florida and I was just talking about him. Right. Obviously the biggest issue with him is the competition. Florida A&M is a tiny uh, school. They play in the Southwestern athletic conference, or as I like to call it, the SWAC there you go. <laughs> Brad Hawkins out of Michigan. So mm-hmm. this is Dax Hill's running buddy. And I don't fully understand why Brad Hawkins is not remotely considered in the same way that Dax Hill is. And I, and, and I understand, fully understand that Dax is a much better athlete. Well, that's why. But we're not talking like a league difference we're talking about. So Dax Hill, his RAS is nine Oh seven. Brad Hawkins is seven, six, five. Brad Hawkins is a little on the older side. Dax is 21 years old. Brad Hawkins is 23. That's a, that's a big difference. I just, I, Brad Hawkins to me was a, a really good player. I liked the two of them together. I thought that they made, made each other better. Yeah. It was a similar thing to, Darnell and Adrian or Morgan Burnett and Ha Clinton Dix. Yeah. I mean, I think the big concern when 
when when you're talking about Hawkins is his 40 time is 4-6. And you combine that with the fact that he has a little bit of trouble changing directions, according mm-hmm. to a lot of the reports that I've read, scouting reports and some of the tape. Um, that, I think, is what's keeping him as more of a fourth, fifth, sixth round kind of a guy as opposed to a, a day sure. one or day two guy. Leon O'Neill Jr. out of Texas A&M is interesting to me because he is consensus much higher than Brad Hawkins. Leon is projected to go at 179, Brad Hawkins at 322. Mm-hmm. That's a night and day difference. And Hawkins is more athletic than Leon. Yeah. 607 for Leon O'Neill, 765 for Brad Hawkins. Uh, now, there's so the next guy on my list is is not a guy that I'm saying, yeah, he's one of the big guys we should draft. I mean, th- th- he's kind of more of a special teamer, I think. Um, but we'll you'll see why I'm bringing him up in a second. Tyson Anderson out of Toledo. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm doing a search here, I'm like 99% positive that Tyson Anderson met with the Packers. Let's see. Come on. Where is it? Did he not? Who am I thinking of? All right. Forget I mentioned Tyson Anderson's name. This is one of those casual podcasts. Remember? (laughs) That's Tyson with a C, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I I, I spelled it right. Yeah. I I Googled him and I Googled Tyson Anderson Packers. Nothing came up. So I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, Okay. So, but, but safety, safety is a fun one. Uh, let's see, they met with Devonte Wyatt. Everybody knows him. What what uh, what I just learned about Devonte Wyatt recently is he's had some some pretty substantial legal trouble. Mm-hmm. I Which guess maybe why they wanted to meet with him mm-hmm. just to check it all out and how he's handling it. I think that's been a, a trend with some of the Georgia boys this year. <laughs> uh, Wyatt, I think, had one or two arrests, so that that's not good. But, um. Obviously a, a premier talent. Okay. Offensive tackle, Abraham Lucas. And I have some quotes here from uh, from these coaches on Lucas. Let's see, Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. I like Lucas a lot, by the way. Oh, he's, yeah. He's got a lot of potential. Here we go. They call him Abe Lucas in this. That's why he didn't pop up when I searched it. Okay. Uh, he quote, he's a good athlete. The system he played in will hurt him. And people make the obvious comparisons to former Washington state first rounder, Andre Dillard, who I think went to the Eagles and that'll hurt too, but we like him. He was very mature in his interview. I like hearing that Lucas is, um, man, he's a good football player. I think there's a lot of coaching that he's going to need when he gets here. Washington state's, um, absurdly pass heavy scheme does not do many favors, but, uh, Right. He'll he'll need to learn the run game, but look, I mean, six foot six, three twenty two. He's not a small guy. Do you have any uh, info over there? Because I have a lot of thoughts on this next guy. Do you have any thoughts on Nicholas Petit Frere? I have a lot mm. of thoughts on him because, listen, our, our our listeners maybe don't know you're a Michigan man, unfortunately, <laughs> and I'm I am a Buckeye, and. Uh, so I know a lot about NPF. I'm not, I'm not crazy high on him, but I, I do have a lot of thoughts on him. Well, let's hear your thoughts. Well, okay. 
you know my thoughts on Billy Turner. Mm-hmm. I think Billy Turner is really good, but ninety percent of the time. But the problem is that when he struggled, he would struggle big. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like little onesie twosies here. It was like complete collapses. That's that's kind of the issue you got with NPF. Nicholas for for most of his career, his college career, he was putting up top tackle in the nation grades and stats. Mm-hmm. Crazy good. And then the issue is that he would have days where he would be grading in the single digits, just horrific days where he couldn't get anything done. Now, granted, one of those days came when he was playing against Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. Right. Uh, he Two also of had the a best bad in the, in the country at that point. So he also had a bad day against uh, Arnold Ebicady out of Penn State, a pass rusher but, I like a lot. Right. Um, but he was know, dominant against Michigan State last year. He was dominant against George Karloftis. George Karloftis did nothing against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know who else did nothing? Boye Mafe. Mm. NPF played against some of the a bunch of the top, I think six out of the eight of the first eight edge rushers expected to go in this draft. Um, and uh, so he did not play against Trayvon Walker because they didn't make the playoffs. But if they had made the playoffs, that would have been cool to add Trayvon Walker to that list. Yeah. Um, also, they played Oregon, but, but Kayvon Thibodeau did, did not play in that game because he was hurt. So he could have added Kayvon Thibodeau to his resume, but Kayvon didn't show up. But uh, I, I just think it's interesting because he played and he, and here's the thing. So Ohio State. I was 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 uh, hearing from uh, a Michigan guy. He was talking about. How the how the Michigan coaches were really surprised at Ohio State's. Uh, uh, approach to Hutchinson and Ojabo because mm-hmm. they weren't giving the tackles any help. They were just putting them on an island and expecting them to win one-on-one. Yeah, that's a risky proposition. For sure. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. The Ohio State coaches have been talking all offseason about their thoughts on how that went. They are not expressing a regret for having tried that. They're expressing disappointment that NPF and Dewan Jones were not up to the task. I find that super interesting. I mean, maybe you're just saying, hey, our goal is to produce NFL tackles, so we're not going to baby you. We're going to make you play like an NFL tackle. You know, but then it costs uh, – I mean, this isn't an Ohio State podcast. We don't need to talk about this. But it, but it costs <laughs> them big. I just find it really interesting that you don't even adjust halfway through. You just keep saying – Come on, guys, you're we expect you to be uh, uh, NFL tackles. So play like it. Gosh, darn it. The the problem with that is, though, that they put him out there on that island and he didn't come through. And exactly. You know, that's an indictment of of his readiness for the NFL right now. He he may get there. He's going to need a little bit of time to develop. But I think he has a lot of potential I, I like him better in the second round than in the first, just based on the fact that I think he's going to need a year or two. Wait, did you really say take NPF in the second round? I might. Yeah, I might. 
Again, depends what we've got so far, where the board falls and everything else. But yes, I might. So I'm I'm looking up where he where his consensus is because I think he's not a consensus second round pick. I think he's a, I think he's a consensus. Uh, not that it means anything because this is the media that we're right. talking about, not coaches. Here we go. NPF consensus. So projected third round pick. Uh, overall rank 68th best player in this draft. So 68 uh, is very early third. Mm-hmm. He has appeared in 14.1% of first round mocks. Okay. So a uh, consensus pick has been going 64th, not 68th. Like they're, they're saying he's the 68th best player, but then projected to go to the Broncos with the 64th pick. So that's eh, interesting. Well, that's the um, last pick of the second round. Exactly. Now, one of the interesting things with NPF, uh, he tested really, really poorly at the combine. His numbers were really disappointing. He was expecting to do really well there. Mm -hmm. Um, He was looking forward to it. He views himself as a premium athlete, and he he was thinking that his numbers were going to be really good. I I will say this. I'm I'm not uh, thrilled with his talent, per se. Or at least mm-hmm. not the not not his consistent application of his talent, but he's a good kid. He is um, so he his uh, he was raised by a single mom mm-hmm. and does not really have a lot of family. And and for him, his football teammates are his family. That was true in high school. That's true in college. That's going to be true in the NFL. You're looking at the offensive equivalent of Rashawn Gary, a guy who's just fiercely loyal to his team and his teammates, super hard worker. You can't have any complaints about his character. Good kid. Well, that's always encouraging. And it's good to know the Buckeyes have a few of those. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, look, the the, the thing about uh, Petit Frere is I I think he needs a little work on his technique, the angles Mm -hmm. he takes. Right. Um, the way he deals with, I think, inside pass rushers. But I like his size and I like his potential. If he's coachable, I think he'll be a starter in a year or two. High upside guy who's not probably going to be taken in the first two rounds. Might go in the second round, but probably not. But uh, high upside guy. If you take him, he's probably not a year one starter. Right. But somebody that you feel... Has a lot of potential. Uh, Christian Watson is the next player that the Packers met with. They also met with, um, so you you know Bernard Raymond. We talked about him before. Yes. They met with, so he's uh, the left tackle for Central Michigan. They met with the right tackle, Luke Gedke. Uh, Christian Watson, I'm kind of skipping over just because everybody already knows who he is. Right. Um, although I, I, I do need to just make a statement because I've, I've said a lot about Christian Watson. So since we're just a couple days out from the draft, there's a lot about Watson that feels like a Packer. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I just want to have a final statement out there so that when the Packers draft him, because they love taking guys that I've been down on, (laughs) (laughs) let, let me just say, yes, his upside is way up there. Super crazy physical uh elite athlete no question about that hard worker seems like a really good kid um i i I am a christian watson doubter but i'm rooting for his success and if the packers take him i'm going to be super excited because that means that brian gutekunst 
sees that upside and believes the upside more than uh, more than the flaws and that he's not as concerned about the flaws as I am. So I will be very excited if we take him because that will, to me, say that he is better than I have scouted him at. So I just want that out there so that if you guys are listening to this in the future when we've already drafted him. (laughs) (laughs) You're covering your rear end, let's face it. (laughs) I am, big time. I'm just telling you, Jameson uh, Jameson Williams – and wow, I never noticed how similar that name is to Jameis Winston. Jameson yeah. Williams and Christian Watson, they just feel like Gudikins picks to me. So I just I just want it out there that I'll be super excited if we take them. I'm not changing my analysis of them as players, but I will be, ex- you know, I'll, I will be excited at the information that Gudikins disagrees with me. How's that? <laughs> Fair here's enough. A, here's a dude I will not be excited if we take. Perrion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. Packers met with him. Mm. defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I don't get it with this guy. I don't understand. I I've read all the reports. I understand that people feel like he's got crazy high upside. Um, he, we don't have his RAS, but the dude, his, his stats are just awful. His grades are bad. His stats are bad. And I didn't really notice this until I was, um, I was uh, doing a podcast where I was talking about a different defensive lineman and the two guys were next to each other alphabetically. And so I kept accidentally getting Perion's numbers mixed in there and I go, wow, man, this guy's really bad at, Oh wait, no, that's Perion Winfrey. who's really bad. At right. And then, you know, the next category, the next category. And I'm like, man, Perion's terrible at all these things. Anyways, <laughs> but I, I, I really want a defensive tackle though. So it's, it's like if they take him, I'm going to go, ah, come on. You took like one of the like three guys in this draft I didn't want, but he plays a position that I really want you to draft. So, well, you know, here's the question. Yeah. If they take him in the fifth round, does that bother you? Because he's he's projected what, like fourth, fifth, maybe early sixth round? He's projected in the second round. Second round, he has risen up some boards. Then let me let me double check this on the website and make sure that it's not a, a typo by me. Perion Winfrey projected, so he dropped five spots from fifty to fifty-five. So he's a second rounder. He's a second round, okay. Actually, they have him as the fifty-fifth best player, but consensus going to the Saints at forty-nine. He's present in fifteen point six percent of first-round mocks. Right, my my chart has him either second or third round. So which is which is not far off from where you're coming from. So to your question of if they took him in the fifth or sixth round. Or even in the fourth. I'm not. If they take him day three, anywhere in day three, would you be happy with that? Yes, because they're addressing a position that I badly want them to address. And I'm just gonna say, listen I'm sure that I'm wrong on this because nobody agrees with me about him stinking. <laughs> and you took a position I wanted, so I'm going to shut my mouth and quit complaining. That's going to be my stance. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But, oh, uh, dude, I'm so excited for this draft. I really am. It's going to be a heck of a draft. I mean, assuming that the trade for Waller doesn't go through and we don't know if it will and then what they would give up if the trade does go through. I don't remember the last time the Packers had four picks in the first 59. 
Yeah, it was like 79 or something like that. I, I It did happen once, but only once. Right. But I was looking at, uh, I can pull this up here. Um, I was looking at, somebody put together a list of what has happened every time the Packers have had two first round picks. I did that. <laughs> some some no name schmuck named Gil. <laughs> you put you put that list together too. I did put that list together a couple of week a week or two ago. I think yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to quote who I was going to quote. Then I'm gonna, I'm going to go to your site then. Packerspost.com, and uh, I'm, I'm going to read this off. Oh, is it? It's thepackerspost.com, right? Yes. Come on, there we go. The Packers Post. Um, bu- 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 bu. Should be in the history section, I believe. History. Packers history. Uh, look at the best. Uh, the Packers' best picks in the first round by position since 1970. Oh, here we go. How have the Packers fared with two picks in the first round? By Gil Martin. All right. So we have in 2019, of course, most recently, Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. I would say seems to be panning out mm-hmm. despite what people have been saying about Darnell Savage. I, I kind of like disagree. Yeah. yeah. Two solid starters at the very least. Yep. He, here, here's my thing with Savage, by the way, Savage has only had one great year. That was his sophomore year, but I'd even say half of a great year. The second yeah. half yep. of that year, he was playing at a pro bowl level. That's fair. But his third year, was um was his first year in a brand new system, Joe Barry's defense, which is challenging for safeties, and Adrian Amos struggled for most of the year as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and give a, a third year player a bit of a pass for that. I think he needs to step it up in year four, but I think he will. Okay, 2009. Um, who are these two guys? BJ Raji and Clay Matthews. Are they any good? <laughs> yeah, a couple of Pro Bowls between them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe a couple a couple of rings between them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that one panned out for sure. All right, now we got to dig into the history books because we got to talk about pre JJ era. We're talking because I was born in '95. We got to talk about 1993. So I'm gonna need you to weigh in on. Just how good these guys were. 1993, outside linebacker Wayne Simmons at pick 15. Safety George Teague at 29. How did that pan out? Well, they both started. Neither one of them lasted a long time. Simmons started for the Packers in their 1996 Super Bowl team. His specialty was covering tight ends. He had good speed. He could cover the tight end very well. Teague Lasted three seasons in Green Bay. Uh, His big play was that 93 playoff game against Detroit. He had a 101-yard interception return for a touchdown that made the long pass to Sterling Sharp in the last minute possible. Then went on to a pretty good career with Dallas and a little bit with Miami. Um, You got two starters out of it. I wouldn't say these were outstanding picks. They never made the Pro Bowl, but you got two solid starters out out of that set of two picks in the first round. All right. We're going to do a lightning round here. I'm going to right. read through these. I'm going to give a one, two name and you're going to tell me, uh, let's see, I don't want to say boom or bust, but we're going to say uh, hit or bust. Okay. Okay. 
Actually, you know what? There's a third ranking. You can say hit, eh, and bust. All okay. right. Yep. Lightning round. 1990. Defensive end Tony Bennett at pick 18. Running back Daryl Thompson at 19. Back to back. Bennett hit Thompson miss. All right. 1980, a decade prior, defensive tackle Bruce Clark at four overall. Linebacker George Cumbie, pick 26. Uh, Clark went to Canada, never played for the Packers, so that has to be a miss. Cumbie started for four years, maybe five for the Packers. I'd say he was, eh, he was solid, but not spectacular. All right, 1978, some guy... uh, how do you say this guy's name? Joy, James Lofton. I, I think he was decent. Pick number six. Uh, it's under position. It just says alien time traveler. Okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Outside linebacker, John Anderson, 26. Uh, Hall of Famer and a Packers Hall of Famer. Two hits. All righty. 78. You know what? Maybe not the greatest decades for the Packers, but that year you got two hits. Uh, 77, the prior year, defensive end, Mike Butler at pick nine defensive end, Ezra Johnson at 28. Got to say two hits. Uh, Butler started for six years with the Packers. Johnson was with them for more than a decade, made a pro bowl. Uh, I'd say two hits on that. Well, that's interesting that they got three hits at pass rusher in the first round in, in two years. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, 1972 cornerback, Willie Buchanan at pick seven quarterback, Jerry tag 11, uh, Buchanan, a definite hit two time pro bowler taggy, uh, a miss started, I think six games in his, his career and had like three touchdowns and 17 interceptions. <laughs> okay. 1970 defensive tackle. This is the, this is the last one on the list. So the first time they ever had two. Well, first round picks. I cut it off before, uh, after 1970, there are more, but yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? We're already into ancient history, you know, before, <laughs> before I was born, before Aaron Rodgers was born. So 1970 defensive tackle, Mike McCoy, second overall tight end, rich McGeorge 16. Uh, two solid starters. I mean, McCoy probably didn't pan out to be live up to second overall in the draft, but a solid starter for the Packers for seven seasons. And McGeorge was a solid starter for, uh, seven years. Also, uh, solid picks, but not spectacular. All right, Gil, here's what we're going to do to wrap this up because, uh, it's, it's past your bedtime. We got <laughs> to get you a glass of warm milk and send you out to bed. All right. So. This is for all the marbles, and and I'm going to answer first because that'll give you some extra time to think about your answer. All right, you gotta you gotta pitch. Maybe we'll do a couple rounds, but we'll start with the first round. So the Packers have two picks in the first round. You gotta correctly name one player they're going to draft. All right, that's okay. Your, that's your challenge, and if you want to name a second that you're going to think they're think they're going to take with their other pick. Uh, you can do that. Or if your if your answer is that you don't think they're going to make a pick, that they're going to trade out of the round entirely, that could be your answer as well. So I'm going to answer first to give you some extra time to think. All right. I think the Packers are going to take. Uh, I might go with. Zion 
Do I say Zion or Kenyon? I think I'm going to say, I think I'm going to say Kenyon green is going to be one of their first round picks if they don't trade, but here's, okay. here, here's my, uh, here's my big thing. I think they're going to make two trades in the first round. I think they're going to trade up from 22 and trade down from 28. So I, I think they're going to trade up for a wide receiver. And that wide receiver is probably Jamison Williams. That's, that's my thought. Cause I, cause I think Drake London's going to be out of their reach and we haven't heard about, I think, I think they didn't even send a guy, a scout to his pro day. So I would take Drake London, but it doesn't seem like Packers are very interested in him. That is a, a fair assessment. I uh, I think they're going to stay put at 22, and they're going to end up with Chris Olave. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, big question as to whether or not he'll last that long, but I think I think that's who they're going to end up with. Uh, and even if they have to trade up a couple of spots to get him, I think that they'll end up with a lave because I think some of the guys they want more will come off the board sooner. I think that they're going to learn a lesson from 2020 in 2020. They traded up. They gave up a fourth round pick to move up to try and, and draft Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk. They were not aggressive enough in their attempts mm-hmm. to trade up. Both guys were taken before they were on the clock and the last player that they had a first round grade on was Jordan Love. So they took him, yeah. but, but he was not the guy that they trade up for. I don't believe if I ever, we've been trying to get um, Mark Murphy to come on the show for a while. He, he said yes. And it's just been scheduling issues. Uh, it's not going to be before the draft. We don't know. No, no. <laughs> but if, if we can ever get him, I'm going to ask him for sure. Were you trading up to grab a, a pile of guys or Jordan Love in particular? Cause I'm just curious. And, and would he answer that? I think he might. I think he might give her a, a straight answer. We'll see. Do you have any other uh, any other uh, draft predictions? I think uh, I, I think I think at least with pick twenty eight, if they stand pat, they're taking a guy who is projected somewhere between like fifty to sixty five. Probably, you maybe looking at uh, Leo Chanel linebacker. I don't think they would do it, but it. it that's a guy who I think is worth it. You know who is who is projected inside sixty five? Nicholas Petit Frere. They're not going to do it. No, but, that's not what they'll do that soon. But but okay, Cameron Thomas. Ah, uh, no, he went to San Diego State. He's not going to be a one of their no, picks. not going to be a goody guy. It's gonna it's gonna be a Big Ten guy or an SEC guy. Yep. So yep. Here's my prediction. My fearless prediction. Yeah. At the end of round one. Packers Twitter will not be happy. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, wow. What a what a soothsayer you are. My gosh. I don't think I don't think I I think that there is a at least a 40 percent chance they do not take a first round round wide receiver. I think at least a 40 percent chance. And I would say much higher than that if we hadn't had Mark Murphy coming out and saying twice you know, you know, the Packers have a lot of draft picks. They could trade up and get a wide receiver. If he hadn't said that twice in public, I would be saying much higher than 40%. But I'll, I'll put it at 40%. Looking at, uh, you know, if you just look at the Big Ten, the SEC, who, which is where the Packers really like to take their early picks. I'm taking out all the early guys. Here here are the uh, the earliest players projected. All right. Jordan Davis, Jamison Williams. Chris Olave, 
George Karloftis. I'm not a big fan of him, which means no. we're going to take him. We're definitely taking him because I, I don't like him. <laughs> Traylon Burks, Tyler Linderbaum, Devontae Wyatt, Nicobe Dean, Kenyon Green, Kair Alam, the cornerback, Jahan Dotson. Oh, that's a guy I like a lot. Mm-hmm. I, dude, the draft community is so down on on Dotson. I don't get it. I think he's one of the be- one of the really uh, really quality wide receivers in this draft. Ooh, Daxton Hill. You know what? Daxton Hill feels like a Packer. At I'd love to see it. You know I'd love to see it. Oh, here's your other boy, David Ojabo. You'd you be, know, you'd be I, geeked about that, I think. I would be excited more in round two just because I don't think he's playing at all this year. Well, he just tore his Achilles. It's not an ACL. Yeah, Achilles takes a while, though. Let's see, because he tore it back in March. Right, pro day. Yeah. A a month ago, (laughs) maybe a month and a half. So the question is, can he get get on the field? So maybe we're saying he won't start week one, but could he be in in the rotation halfway through the season? I think he probably could. The question becomes, does the torn Achilles, which you need surgery to reattach. Does that cost him some of his speed, some of the twitch, uh, some of the things that mm-hmm. made him special? And I don't think we will be able to even know that before the draft. All right. Last draft prediction. I think Packers fans need to temper their expectations as far as seeing the Packers draft picks start on day one, I think you really need to, no matter what position it is, wide receiver, offensive line. I think offensive line is the most likely you could get a, a day one starter just because of how few bodies they have in the room. But I, you just need to temper your expectations because the Packers do not hang their rookies out to dry. They don't put them out there when they're not ready. They're not going to let their guys get killed because they don't know what's going on. So they... They trust their veterans, even if you don't like their veterans, even if you're looking at them going, man, Sammy Watkins stinks. Why isn't uh, why isn't Chris Olave out there? You know what? Just you, sh- you should expect this. OK, <laughs> <laughs> you should expect it. Just chill out. Wait for them to develop. The Packers know what they're doing. So that's that's my well, unless they play offensive line, in which case they start a lot. Elton Jenkins. Yep. yep. Uh, Josh Myers, uh, Royce Newman, all recent examples of guys who started as rookies on the O-line. Eric Stokes didn't start game one last year. Didn't start game one. Well, neither did Elton Jenkins. He started game two or three. But yeah, uh, here's the thing that I will say, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through free agency, and remember there will be cuts June 1st, or whether it's through a trade, Brian Gutekunst will address the wide receiver position before training camp gets underway. It may not, and I don't think it'll be a finished product at the end of the draft because rookie wide receivers rarely make a big impact. So they're going to bring in another veteran at some point in some way to give short-term relief and provide some productivity for Aaron Rodgers this year. How many picks do you think the Packers are going to make in the first 
three rounds. We know how many picks they currently have, but how many are they going to end up making? Four. So you think one of those picks is going bye-bye? Yes. I, I think that's a, a pretty safe assumption. I think they're going to pick four in the first three rounds as well. Um, all right. We, we got to get out of here because it's late. But, man, this was fun. I'm so excited. And just, you know what? Just have fun with it. Don't don't freak out when they don't take the guys you want because, I, I listen, somebody reminded me of this earlier today. The first year I did a super, super in-depth study of draft prospects was 2020 because I was so frustrated about the Rashawn Gary pick. And I said to myself, I need to be more educated so that when they take a guy like Rashawn Gary, I actually know more about him and can expect this kind of thing. And look, Rashawn Gary has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He's going to be one of the best edge rushers in the NFL for a long time. So just, uh, just remember the 2022 draft is not about 2022. It's about 2024, 2025, 2026. So if you, uh, if you want, if you want help in 2022, go look to the uh, 2019 and 2020 draft because those are the guys who are coming into their own this year and, and ready to start making contributions. And if you look at them and go, man, these guys stink. Okay, well, let them play a few games. <laughs> they were second. They were second round or second year players last year. Just wait. Third year is usually when a lot of these positions break out. So just just chill out. It'll be okay. All right. Enjoy the ride. That's that's I think. Part of the process. Just enjoy the ride. Are you going to are you going to watch the draft day movie? Kevin Costner? <laughs> yeah, I probably will. You? I, I watch it every year, usually on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. OK, fair enough. So much fun. I, it's so unrealistic. Um, Completely you know unrealistic, what? but it's fun nonetheless. The crowd cheers for uh, Roger Goodell in that movie. So I <laughs> you represent know and I boo. I boo <laughs> when he comes out in the movie just to make it feel more realistic. All right. That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week with a bunch of brand new Packers. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers. Oh, catch catch the live stream. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing a live stream with the guys over at Packernet. Gil, you got to come on and uh, chat with us for a little bit if you can get free. Okay. We'd love to have you on there. So uh, that's going to be uh, easy ways, easiest way for you to find that is going to be, I will uh, tweet a link to it. So uh, check out my Twitter. Um, so yeah, uh, Twitter at Gil Packers for Gil at JJ Leahy for me. Stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions or to get the link to the live stream. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Packers Talk.